Let's open the word of the Lord to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Today I want to share a couple of minutes about the theme, or on the theme, what do we see? What do we see? We see a lot of things. But is it the right thing? Matthew 28, I'm going to read it from the Living Bible. You might have another version, but I like the way this particular version shares it. Then I'll go to Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 through the Living Bible also. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. It says, He told his disciples, I have been given all authority. It doesn't say I've been given some authority. So I've been given all authority. In heaven and earth. So in every realm, Jesus has all authority. So... If somebody has the authority and they give an order, what do we think about that order? Is it authorized? Yes. Yeah, he has all authority, so he gave an order. And the order he gave, he could have given many orders. But the one that was dear to his heart, this was in conjunction with his last will and testament, you know, here, he was just about ready to go back to the Father. So what does he pick? He picks this. He said, therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations. Not one nation, not two nations, not just the Jew, but the Gentile. Not just the Jew, but everybody else in South America, in the United States, in Libya, in Africa, wherever it might be, Jesus wants disciples. And disciples are students of the word, people that adhere to the teachings of, people that uh, receive it, make it their own, and then also teach others. It says... Not only disciple them, but baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The word baptize, scripturally, means to be immersed in water, symbolic of a death to an old life, and resurrecting in a new life. So there's a death, and then there's a resurrection. Say with me, death, death. and resurrection. See, so we need to know that about uh, what God did on our behalf. Even Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He died, and he resurrected the third day. So let's say that he died. And he resurrected. And that, that's what gives Christianity the power it has and the influence it has. Because no other religion can boast that. Every other founder of said religion is dead. They're still in the ground. But Jesus is the only one. He came back the third day. Over 500 people witnessed it. They wrote uh, letters about it, epistles about it. It's in our recorded history. Jesus rose again and over 500 people witnessed his resurrection. No other person can say that about any other leader of any other religion. Now he says, and teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So Jesus, the one that received all authority in heaven and earth, died, rose, rose again. He empowered Christianity by his death and resurrection. All his words are true. All his words are real. His words have power. His promises have power. And then not only that, he says, I want you to teach others so they can know it and that they can teach others. That's what's most important in his mind. Amen? So we're part of a process. Way back when, he gave it to the 12 disciples. One of them abdicated. They had to put another one in his place. And those 12 taught multitudes. I mean, imagine this, the first message that Peter preaches. Thousands come to saving faith in Christ. I mean, you can't build a church large enough for that. Suddenly you have 3,000 people, and then later on he preaches, and 4,000 people show up. And then every day the Lord added daily to the church. Within five years, all of the city was evangelized. Within 21 to 23 years, all of Asia Minor had been evangelized. Those people were on fire. We talk about being on fire. We're not on fire. <laughs> they were on fire. 
We're not even getting this. We haven't even started yet. If we would get the message, this place could not contain us within a month. Really. We're not yet. We're not moving our motors yet. But I thank God. I believe He is touching each and every one of our hearts. He's opening up our eyes. Praise God. Then in Acts chapter 1 it says this. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus is telling them, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to all people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then the Living Bible adds this. It says about my death and resurrection. See, again, it talks about the death, but it also talks about resurrection. So say with me, death, death. and resurrection. resurrection. Hallelujah. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it says here, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave, or Hades. I was dead, but behold, I am alive forever and ever. This is very significant, and you see the, the theme continuing over and over again. And I wanted to highlight that, because I want to talk to you about vision for a couple of minutes. But I also want to let you know that the power behind your faith is active and it's alive. Your hopes might have died, but they can come back again. They can resurrect. <clears throat> your opportunities might have died, but it can resurrect. Everything in your life has the power of resurrection. Because the Spirit of God who dwells in you is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 3, I'm, I'm just going to read it to you briefly. And in this particular chapter, it talks about Peter and John, after they have received the Holy Spirit, they went to the temple, they're on their way, and uh, they meet a guy who's uh, pretty much paralyzed, and the guy's saying, alms please, alms, and he says, listen, we don't have money to give you, but that's not what we have to give you. We have something greater than just money. We have the power of God. We have the resurrection power of Almighty God. So, get up and walk. Now, he wasn't expecting that. He was expecting money. And that's what happens, unfortunately, in our churches today. Most people come to our church only looking for money, only looking for social help. And unfortunately, the church in many sectors are being relegated just to social help. Listen, we have a miracle anointing on us. We have a resurrection anointing on us. And we're not working that. But I believe that the reason why we're not working that is we're not connected to our source. We're not praying. We're not seeking God. We're not... We're not are calling out to God, asking God to do signs, wonders, and miracles to get today. So we're being relegated to just a portion of what the church is called to do, which is to help the poor. Yeah. But we're also called to do a lot more. So he said, be healed, get up. The guy immediately jumps up. And, and, and I love about Peter. He just grabs the guy and, and just brings him up. And then the next thing that happens is that guy went to church with him. And he started boasting about God. He started testifying God. Let me tell you something. You share the word of the Lord, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word with a person, and they get saved, and they get redeemed, and they get set free. Let me tell you something. Those people will boast about God. They'll boast about God. They'll get excited about God. But the problem is we're not laying hands on folk anymore. We're not praying over folk anymore. We're, we're, not, we're not being, how can I say, excited about our witness anymore. Everybody's coming out of the closet except the church. We're so busy stuck on issues that don't correspond to our resurrected life because we're still living the dead life. But God wants us to start living the resurrected life. But what do you see? The majority of the church only sees what they see on TV. They only see 
what Madonna says and does. And now they, another one took over. Now it's Gaga. Everybody's Gaga. This whole week, the city was Gaga. I think she's insane. Or close to it. I would not wear live meat on my body. The only place where meat is going in my body is once it's cooked in my mouth. Dinner time. But again, you know, I know everybody has their way of presenting and marketing. I understand that. But the problem is, is when the church is only focused on that, we're not going anywhere. Really, our thoughts many times, are, our concerns are about our job, our economy, how we look, uh, you know, how we present ourselves. Self, self, self. Flesh, flesh, flesh. Jesus said that we are born again. In newness of life now, there's a resurrection anointing, a resurrection thinking that we should be walking in. And we're not doing it. So we're missing the whole boat. And I grieve. But I love it because in verse... I want to say verse 15 it says he went out because everybody started wondering what's going on why was this paralyzed man you know made whole what's happening what's the deal here Peter got out and he started preaching because he saw an opportunity you know most of your problems are actually opportunities but since you're not thinking resurrected life you're getting caught up with the problem instead of thinking opportunity well Peter gets up he sees the opportunity he starts preaching at them and then he finishes with this. He says, And you killed the author of life, but God brought him back to life again. And John and I are witnesses of this fact. After you killed him, we saw him alive. Jesus is alive. But what do you see? What do you believe? It doesn't make a difference if he's alive if you don't believe it. I believe it. He says, Listen. How can I say it? This, let, me, let me say it the way Scripture says it. By your fruits, you shall be known. Is the church offering fruits of a resurrected life? Hallelujah. Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be opened so that we may see who we really are and what he has already given us. Let's go a moment to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 19. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord... Jesus and your love for all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you point to your neighbor talking to you now point to your neighbor point to the, point to the other one now so that he might give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. The exceeding greatness of his power. The exceeding greatness of his power. Toward who? Amen. Toward us who believe. There is great, exceeding. You know the word exceeding in the original language, what it means? It goes far beyond your natural capacity or ability. Whatever, you, whatever level you believe, it takes it to the next level. But yet we're still living the dead life, the flesh life. We don't realize that there is an exceeding greatness of power toward us. Point to yourself and say, I have power. And you do. The point is you do. I want to sometimes get myself inside of you and let you understand, let you see it. God, open up the eyes. I want to open up the eyes, but I can't do that because it has to be the eyes of your understanding. Because what you've been seeing is your debt. 
What you've been seeing is this happening, that other thing happening on the job, personal, whatever it may be. But God is saying, I want you to open up the eyes of your understanding. I want you to go deeper because I have something greater for you. And the problem is, we don't know the difference between the truth and the lie. We don't know the difference. And we've, we've been believing the lie. You know, with this set of eyes, we can see things, or can we? You could. But are you aware that what you're seeing is not actually something you're seeing? According to the scientists, your eyes work in a very unusual way. They receive light. And then they take it inside, and through a little thin piece of meat, it translates an electrical impulse. So that's all we're seeing is electrical impulses. So the electrical impulses, which is connected to the brain, then the brain receives it and reinterprets it. So what you think you're seeing, you might not really be seeing. But let me go a little deeper. Are you aware if you believe something with all of your heart, and you close your eyes, and you see it clearly, your brain interprets it like if it's something you're actually seeing. That's why Jesus said faith is the substance of things that we hope for. Evidence of things that we don't see with the natural eye. That's why you can talk to a person full of faith and they'll talk to you about stuff that hasn't happened yet. But yet they're showing an excitement like a person who already has it. You know why? They already do. But the downside of this is what we see with these two eyes, what we interpret with these two eyes, many times do not send a message to a spirit man that's going to breathe life to us. You see my point? That's why we have to, ha we get, we have to get the, the scripture, we have to get God's vision into our spirit man. And we have to start seeing what God is seeing. We have to start seeing the way God sees. Because as long as you're connected to the junk on this earth, as long as you're connected to circumstances and situations, you will continue to interpret them as negative things, as negative problems. It'll bring your spirit down. It'll stifle you. It'll paralyze your faith. But God is speaking to his people. The people allow me to open up the eyes of your understanding because there's so much more I am already doing in the spirit realm. Are you aware that right now the power of God is moving for healing? Are you aware that right now God is speaking? There's a word of knowledge coming down. There's a word of wisdom coming down. There's foresight. There's insight. And if we would just allow ourselves to start hearing God more and allowing uh, ourselves to read the word of God, but in terms of meditating on it, in terms of letting it get into our spirit, man, so we could see the way God sees, your life would change. And, and my concern for us is that we are in a situation where, on a global scale, there's confusion. Mass confusion. Right now, there is mass confusion. Number two, right now, there is a supernatural effort to get a one-world global government. And if you have studied, even in a cursory manner, uh, history, scriptural history, eschatology, future events, you know that there's coming a day where there's going to be a one-world government, and where there's going to be a man or, or a system that's going to raise up, that people are going to trust it, and that goal is to get rid of all types of, oh, any, any vestige of Christianity on earth. When I see what's happening now, I go, whoa, this looks a lot more like that than I've ever seen it before. In the 70s, when my wife and I came to the Lord, we were, they were saying, Jesus Christ is coming, man, get ready. Don't worry, forget study, forget everything. He'll be here any moment now. So... 
we in that generation, we were so afraid. Oh, my God, he's coming tomorrow. He might come tomorrow. So we were just praying and seeking God. We stopped doing anything. We stopped going to school. We stopped uh, doing anything. We just wanted to get ready for Jesus, the imminent return of Jesus. But still, there was a lot of things that had not taken place in history or in a global scale. So I was saying, how can it happen? These preachers are saying he's coming any moment. This didn't happen yet. This didn't happen yet. This didn't happen yet. But today, I can tweet something and the world can read it in a moment. I can get on a camera and I can say something and, and I can preach something and the world could see it. Something can happen in Egypt and, and the president or the pharaoh of Egypt can say, uh, turn off all TV, turn off all radio, we don't want it getting out, and it'll still get out. And the world will see it in a moment. Isn't it interesting? We have right now a global economy. What happens here affects China. What happens in China affects here. See, so we can see how we have become a small globe. And things like this can happen. But now it's a perfect storm, because we even have our own government coming against any form of Christianity. Ten Commandments. No, we can't have the Ten Commandments in court now. Got to get it off the walls. Anything that speaks of Christianity, get rid of it. But any other religion, they'll welcome it. They'll welcome it in our universities. They'll welcome it anywhere. Right now, five years ago, you wouldn't have never even heard this discussion. Right now, there are people that are trying to get the United States to accept Sharia law. Accept Sharia law which is the Islamic law, here in the United States. You, knew, you would have never heard of that five years ago. Again, you didn't know where we were. Start reading a little more. Let me tell you, some ominous things are headed this way. Some ominous things. And, and if that ha let's say if, if it would happen right now, um, you ladies are in for a very difficult time. Because it really, really burdens especially the females. But again, I, you know, I, I know a lot of things have to happen. What I'm saying is that they're even talking about it. And yet, they're talking in, in, in a positive light. But yet with Christianity, no, no, stop that, stop that. You can't have that. You can't have shutting down our witness. You, you understand my point? But having said that, again, it's all talk. If the Christians, again, share their faith, we, if, if we continue to say, you know, no, Jesus is Lord. If our churches get on fire for God, this won't happen. But what I've been concerned about is we're getting more quieter and quieter and quieter. And every other element is getting louder and louder and louder. Everybody's getting more active and active. And we're getting more passive and passive and passive. And I'm not saying Calvary Christian Fellowship. I'm saying in general, on a, on a global scale. Meanwhile, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Egypt, uh, let's say in, in Asia, in China right now, are being persecuted. And news doesn't even talk about it. Pastors in prison. Brothers and sisters in Christ, because they opened their home in prison. Brutally beaten. Made to go before TV and renounce it. That is happening today. Why? Because I believe many of us are not doing what we're supposed to. We're not praying. We're not seeking God. Brethren, I want to sound an alarm today. I want to say we have to, once again, come back to the faith of our fathers. We have to come back to the faith of the Scripture. Don't talk it. Walk it. Say to your neighbor, it's not time to talk it. It's time to walk it. Amen. See, vision 
is a very powerful thing. And we've been watching and observing and listening and looking at the wrong things. Your past does not determine your future. The vision you're connected to determines your future. And I love the fact that God, by His grace, gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We have wisdom, we have prudence. You know, right now, there is an anointing to increase, and we're not using it. There is an anointing for finance, an anointing for strategy. There's an anointing, and we're wasting it away on little stuff. But yet, God wants us to use these gifts now. Say, say to your neighbor, you have gifts. We have gifts. We, we, we're not using them. We're keeping them. We're being selfish, and we're being so self-absorbed in our issues and our problems that we're not sharing Christ with the world. And it goes on to say, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So you're sealed already. You're saved. The enemy can't take that away from you. Say, so I want to give you good news. I don't want you to be in a position of worry. I don't want, to, I don't want you to be in a position of fear. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's a guarantee. Anybody here owns a home? What usually come? What does the bank give you when you own a home? <laughs> the bill. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, we know the bill. But let's just say, let's just say you paid the house. What does the bank give you? It gives you the title. The title is the guarantee that you own it. Otherwise, you would have no other proof. Well, guess what? There's a title in the spirit that God owns you. Nobody can take that away. Nobody can steal that because it's in heaven. Praise God. See, so we need to be at peace with that and we need to start activating our gifts, understanding that as our eyes get open and we see God's vision, His passion for the world. What did He tell the disciples? Go into all the world. He didn't say park and buy a condo. And get involved with the community. And start listening to all the nonsense. And get stuck there. He said, preach and go from place to place. Amplify, grow, expand. We can't do that if we're paralyzed. But God wants us to get out of that place of paralysis. What do you see today? Hallelujah. Vision is not our private view of the future. But the view of our future inspired by Almighty God. Amen. A vision of the future inspired by God. What is your vision? What do you see? I want to ask you the question now. What do you see? Are you looking at God's vision? Or are you looking at something else? What do you see? I want us to be honest a moment. What are some of your concerns right now? Right now, the year 2011. 2011. What are some of your concerns? I'll share with you some of mine. Debt? Okay. All right. Yeah, it's, it's a valid one because all of the United States is in debt right now. Several trillion dollars in debt. What are we going to do in a microwave? That's the macro issue. What about us? Okay, what else? 
What are we passing on to our children? Absolutely. If we don't change nothing. If we don't change hardship. But I thank God that this is a republic. And we have an opportunity to make a difference. I mean, if you don't think so, look what's been happening at the squares over the Middle East. People, regular people like you and I, have been making a difference at the highest levels. And especially young folk. They're passionate and they, and they have the zeal. I mean, you get some people on fire for God, oh, wow, they will change their cities. Amen. And we need that. War, uh, a possible global war. Absolutely. Anybody else? People in leadership not understanding, making insane decisions, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's valid because everything rises and falls on leadership. Absolutely. So, you know, God calls us to pray for our leaders so that God would also open up the eyes of their understanding. Yeah. The values and the morals are... We're not, we're not, we're not living by kingdom principles, kingdom of God principles anymore. And let me park there just a moment. Hold that just a moment. That's important because any society that loses their morals don't, doesn't last too long. It self-implodes. Yeah, it self-implodes. You can see that throughout history. And right now, how is the United States? But it's not lost because we're still here. We're, we're not at that place yet. So this is what I'm saying. We have to be very bold in our faith. We have to be very bold in our witness. Some people might criticize you. So? So it doesn't make a difference. You live... Christ on the outside. Be very verbal. Be very open so they could see the difference. And let me tell you something. The minute they go through a problem, who do you think they're going to go to? They're going to go to the genuine Christian so that the genuine Christian can pray for them. Praise God. Yes. Exactly. So we, we put our money and we put on the money in God we trust but yet we contradict that. We're no longer trusting in God. Yet, well, there's a lot of people in government who are actively trying to remove any form of Christianity, any form of morality. And it's, and it's unfortunate, and you're absolutely right. It, it's even in our dollar. It shows that a previous generation had the godly principles, Judeo-Christian principles. But, you know, so it goes on and on. So I appreciate some of your thoughts. But the bottom line is, is that we still have God's vision. God is still on the throne. He is still the conqueror. After having said all of that, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. But the problem is, if we see only this that we're discussing, we'll tend to get discouraged, despondent, or we'll lose our faith. But if we start listening to Almighty God, we'll get excited once again. And the church has got to be hearing God. We've got to be looking at God's vision. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to share with you today. In, in essence, it's not a vision generated by our ego, or our desires, it's God's vision and we get to partner with Him. What do you see? See, our Father is the owner of all the gold and the silver. See, so I choose not to look at the current debt situation that we have. I choose to remember constantly, every day, Father, I thank you that you're the owner of all the gold and the silver. Thank you that you provide for all my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. See, that's what I confess to myself. I confess his promises to me. So what do I see? I don't look here anymore. I look from the internal eyes. And I'm always excited about God. I'm always excited about what he, what he is doing in my circumference, in my surroundings. Why? Because he is doing it. 
and I have a power. There's an anointing in me. Why? Because His Word says so. So I don't have to feel it. I don't have to go, oh, God, God I need to feel that presence today. I don't need to generate anything like that. I just know it is. Amen? I mean, uh, Minister Al, a question. When you're walking around with your badge, you know, you're, you're dressed in your full uh, police uniform garb. Do you wake up in the morning some, sometimes don't feel like a police? Sometimes I, I do. I right? Don't feel like it. You don't feel like yeah. it, right? But yet, what does that mean to the badge and to your authority? It doesn't matter what I feel. I, you matter. is what you is. I is what I is. <laughs> See, it doesn't make a difference what I feel. You and gotta and go. you got to do, do it. But the point is, the point is, he's absolutely right. It has nothing to do with how I feel. The authority does not, or rather is not contingent upon my feelings. It just is. It's just there. You are walking with authority. Well, today I don't feel like authority. I don't care about what I feel. Shut up, flesh. I am a duly authorized child of God in the kingdom of God minister of reconciliation yeah but you have the title your pastor no the Bible calls us all ministers of reconciliation Amen. 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 see we, we, we already authorized we're, we're deputized we have the power of God we have the Holy Spirit already so when you're when, when you're you're feeling another way it's because your perspective you're, you're seeing with the wrong set of eyes you have to immediately reset well, the reason why we're in so much mess that we're in today is because we don't reset. We're, most of us are out of weight here in the United States. Most of us, you know, we're, we're not in shape because we continually listen to the flesh. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, if you get up at 6 in the morning, get yourself to the gym, do yourself 50 to 100 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, you run on the machine for about 30 minutes. And I'm talking about myself too. I have, I have some here. I, I, I'm serious. I got to lose some. I, I'm pinching an inch. I'm pinching about an inch and three quarters. An inch and five eighths. No, no. I, I'm, what I'm saying is, what's the greatest deterrent? You. Oh, I'm too tired. I don't have no time. Nonsense. I'm seeing people in their 70s all the time downtown. They're, all, they're running. I'm serious. They're running, man. They're, they're running like this, but they're running. <laughs> yeah, man. The other day, I'm going in the FDR. And I'm going, I look, I said, man, a guy you could tell, he's an older gentleman. You could tell he's in his 70s. But the guy had some, some solid rocks on, on his arm. He's going, mm, mm. I'm going, oh, man, bam, bam, move. Shut up, man, I'm looking at something. <laughs> we went to, to um, the, other, the other year. I went to Disney, and I'm just walking, and I look, and I see, you could tell, older gentlemen. Because, you know, the skin tells you whether you're 60s, 70s, or even 80s. There's a certain gait, a certain way that a person walks, a certain way the, 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 the normal flesh might look. But I'm looking at the guy, and the guy had a short sleeve shirt. You could tell he's an older gentleman. He's a senior citizen. But the man's arms are solid rocks. He's walking around, boom. I'm going, you see, I've got hope. <laughs> got some hope here. Now, you know why the things I saw in a previous generation is by the time people become 50, they're, you know, like, ay, ay, estoy viejo, ay, me, ay, me duele aquí, ay, me duele allá. You know, but today's generation, they got so... <laughs> Give me some backup here. You know that's the fact. But this generation, they caught it, they understand it. You don't have to be old or feel old at 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. Just yesterday, I was looking in the internet. This lady, she's 90, 90 years old, and she's still running marathons. 
It impacted me so much, I made it one of my favorite places. So when my flesh wants to complain, doesn't want to get to the gym, wants to eat too many Twinkies, you know, I got to go, favorite place, see the lady running. She says, you got to make a decision. My husband died when we were 47 years old, but he would have been proud of me. 90 years old, and I'm still going. What's the difference? She's not listening to her flesh. She's disciplining her spirit man, and her spirit man is in dominance right now. But if your flesh, if your spoiled little boy, little girl flesh is in dominance, you don't have to say amen. You can say ouch. Amen. Proverbs 19.21 Many plans or visions, I add, are in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. And I am declaring that over Calvary Christian Fellowship this year, that God's plans will stand, that the eyes of your understanding will be opened, that this is going to be the first day in a new season of your life, that you're no longer going to allow situations and circumstances and the flesh to dictate the way you go, the decisions you make, the things you do. Because this, the, your... your Decisions create actions. Actions create habits. Habits create a lifestyle. So I'm going to change. I'm going to change based on what God is saying about me. I'm going to change based on the word. What the word says about me. I am a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror, the Bible says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even if I'm not the most experienced one in my job, God's going to give me favor. And I'm going to stand like a giant in my chosen field. Because the grace and the favor of God is upon me. I may not know the most, but I have the wisdom of the God that knows the most. I'm going to stand like a Daniel in Pharaoh's courtroom and I'm going to speak the wisdom of God and I'm going to bring correction to things that were out of order. Amen. I'm going to stand like a Joseph in the marketplace in a place where, where it's suffering, uh, 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 maybe a turnabout in events, in finances, but I'm going to speak the wisdom of God into the financial district. I'm going to speak the wisdom of God into the educational sector. I'm going to speak the wisdom of God in my job. I'm going to speak the wisdom of God into my children and I expect to change because I have the power of God flowing in me and flowing through me. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to be deterred by what I feel because I know what I feel is deceptive. I know it's not really the truth. Jesus is the life, the way, and the truth. Hallelujah. So this is how I'm thinking, especially the year 2011. This is the beginning. This is the, uh, the, what you call the first fruit of a new decade. This is the first year. So men and women of God, there's no time to waste anymore. You know, we've been, yeah, one day, one day, one day. No, today. Say it in there, but it's today. You make the change today. You make the decision today. And you don't make decisions based on emotion. You make decisions based on his word. Because you know heretofore what emotion has done for you. It's only deceived you. It only keeps you in a limited place. But God wants to bring you into your wealthy place. Hallelujah. And it has nothing to do with what that politician is deciding, that other person is saying, that other person is feeling. My God is above any and all political realms. Any and all government. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. And he reigns supreme. Hallelujah. As we fulfill our purpose, we connect others to God. As we fulfill our purpose, we bring others to God. So I'm expecting. You know, we, we ordained new ministers last uh, couple of weeks ago. And I am, 
I am so enjoying the fact that our foundation has been expanded. Now, as each minister starts uh, releasing his and her anointing, I'm expecting great growth in different areas. Uh, you know, I'm especially excited about that small group. Uh, you know, that, that, that gift that we have. We have that gift. We have that ability. I'm, I'm excited as individuals realize and understand their house is a ministry center. There are so many people that need God. There's so many people that are caught and listening to, uh, uh, well, Channel, T Channel 7 Eyewitness News, listening to their circumstances, listening to their past. They're allowing their future to be dictated by their past. You come in there with the word of the Lord. You start bringing life. You start prophesying life. You start prophesying life to their future. What is going to happen to them? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Amen. People are worried about the future. I'm excited about the future. Amen. If we run away from our purpose, this always has the potential, not just to hurt us, but to hurt others. An example, good example is Jonah. Jonah, God told him, go and preach to the Ninevites. He didn't like the Ninevites. So he ran away. But God had already determined that Jonah would go, and he had equipped them to do so. So he got on a ship that, wasn't supposed to be, that he wasn't supposed to be on. Problem is, when he got on that ship, he affected all the people in the ship. Why? Because there was a call of God on his life, and he was running away from it. Like some of the people here in this congregation. I mean, like some of the people in the, in the neighborhood. Amen. So what will happen is you get on that place. You start running away from God. There's a call of God on your life. Then you start affecting everybody around you because you're out of order. We got to get back into divine order. And so finally he threw himself out. Of, no, the guys threw him out of the ship. You don't belong in this ship. You belong in another fellowship. <laughs> no, he, be he belonged in inside the belly of a whale because the whale had to bring him back or whatever big fish it was so it says it says that there, a storm arose and many times storms are just indicating that you're out of order you got to get back into divine order and he did he got back on the land the, the, the fish spit him out and he was out he looks like a prune and everybody's looking he's like, you Ninevites here's the word of the Lord I mean, the guy was nausea, he had nausea on him. He hadn't eaten for three days. All he drank was fish juice for three days. I mean, nobody wanted to get next to him. He had no armor bearer because he stunk like fish. But yet in that condition, he had to give the word of the Lord. And some of us, man, we're spiritual. We're stinking like fish. Because we're out of order. But God is telling us, get back into divine order. I want to use you. I want to work through you. I have a message to the world through you. Glory to God. And that's what we need in this day. We need to replace that vision that's really destroying you with God's vision. Personal vision is always connected to God's larger vision. We find a place for our own visions and abilities in God's larger vision. It's in the context of being connected. See, God will never give you a vision that's separated from the church. He just won't. Because the church is his vehicle. Any of you who study ecclesiology will realize the church is God's vehicle to get the gospel out. So you cannot be a preacher from the church, but yet not be connected to the church. Amen? This is, God, this is Victor's right hand. If you cut off Victor's right hand right now, <clears throat> Victor's right hand will be useless. Because the only reason why Victor's hand can move like that is because Victor's hand is connected to the arm. Yes. Amen. Amen? The hand bone's connected to the shoulder bone. The shoulder bone's connected. <laughs> Sometimes I just lose it like that. Think about it. 
It's the only reason. But while it's connected, it's effective. It's doing a great job. It's in its place. But imagine if, if one of these Frankenstein doctors decided to do a test on me and disconnect my hand, put it on my feet where my feet belong, and take my feet and put it where my hand belongs. You know, they can do that now. They have the technology. First and foremost, imagine me walking. What type of shoes would I wear? Well, yeah, right? Well, but that will be really cool because my hand's going to act, you know. Going to, <laughs> but it won't be normal because that's not where God intended it to be. And we want to be everywhere except where God connected us. We want to do everything and, and be everywhere except where we're supposed to be. You're only going to be successful when you decide to be who God called you to be. Hallelujah. So stop trying to be him or her or them or the others and just be yourself. Because God made you unique. You're an original. Don't die a copy. Glory to God. Amen. Jesus said this. Yes, I'm divine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See? We might accomplish a lot of things in life. But 10 years ago, I mean 10 years from now, who will care? Remember that great guy from 19, I mean 1836? That guy named John from 1836? You know? Also oh, right, because I don't either. It's exactly right. People don't care. He lived slash he died. They don't care. The only thing that means anything is what we do in the kingdom of God. That will be remembered and will be remembered forever. Vision and an attitude of cooperation go hand in hand. Infighting and jealousy have no place. God's vision is not meant to give you vision, but to stir up your personal vision. So God is stirring up your personal vision in the context of this larger vision and cooperation is going to draw out your anointing. The corporate vision will draw out your personal vision and help activate your dreams, passions, gifts, and talents in the context of you serving in the vision. I said so much there, I dare not repeat it. Get the tape. Men of God who received God's vision also had a God team who worked together to accomplish the vision. What do you see? I don't need nobody. I'm my own man. I'm my own preacher. I don't work with nobody. God made me in such a way that I don't, I don't need anybody. You're out of order, sir. We need each other. And now that I'm, on my, I'm in my 50s, I realize that some bridges I burned years ago that I wish I wouldn't have burned. Because I could have used that bridge, maybe not for me, but for a friend, maybe for the church, maybe for a co-worker. I'm telling you, there are bridges that God's given you. Keep them. They're a blessing. They will always be a blessing. Moses had Aaron. He had her. He had Joshua. And he had the 70. When Moses couldn't even lift up his arms, you know who lifted them for him? Aaron, Joshua, and her. Yet, God had determined that Moses would be the physical example of a victory that the, that, uh, the, the Israelites were going to have. And God tells Moses, you've got to raise your arms. That's going to be the symbol of victory. So God went, oh, he lifted up his hand. As soon as he lifts up his hands, the war changes. Israel starts winning. But here's the problem. He couldn't keep his hands up because he was an old man. So his hands started going down. Immediately, the war started turning around. Immediately, Israel started losing. So he would go, oh. Immediately, they start winning. They start losing. They start winning. They start losing. So Aaron and her, they go, the man needs help. Let's get in there. 
So they held up his hands and they sat him on a rock. So now he's like this and Aaron is here, her is here. And who was the one that gave Israel the victory that day? But why was it then that when Moses' hands would go down, they'd start losing? They still had God. Who was the one that gave him the, the victory that day? The correct answer is it was a partnership. When God determines he wants to partner with you, he will withhold his anointing and his grace unless the full partnership is in place. He will rather wait until you get with it, until you understand it and activate, than release it to early. What has not happened yet because we haven't been working in unity? What has God been waiting to release because we haven't understood this principle yet? Because we're busy involving some dumb vision that is never going to come to pass anyway. Some limited thing. Maybe your job. Maybe, oh, I'm living for a better car. Come on, let's live a little higher than that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Some of our visions are so small. Let's develop a God vision. Let, 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 let's partner with God. Which, by the way, he has a huge vision. Do you know that? Amen. People are saying... Amen, uh, Pastor Victor. Uh, we don't want you to preach three weeks in one week. So you finish already. No, no, no. I'm, 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 fini I'm actually finishing. I was saying that because I'm about ready to land. Amen. The Lord Jesus gave us all varied gifts. And here are some important things we need to embrace as we recognize this important truth. Jesus gave us gifts, including the Holy Spirit, to help us to be effective. The gifts were given to help us. We're not helpless. Say to your neighbor, you're not helpless. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but you're not helpless. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but God knows your situation. Yeah, but you know how long I've been in it. Moses, had, or rather, Moses and the people, they walked around the desert for 40 years. But the reason why they went around 40 years is because they didn't get it. So sometimes we're the ones that elongate our desert place. Sometimes, sometimes we're in the desert because God is showing us, teaching us, preparing us. Because that's the only place we're going to learn. Well, what about Joseph? Joseph could not have gotten to the palace unless he went to the prison. <laughs> I want to be used by God. Okay, prison. <laughs> that was the place of the palace. That was the road, that was the doorway to the palace. Had he stayed with daddy, he would have never met Potiphar, who was going to throw him in prison, and he was going to meet the baker and the butler. And it was the butler or the baker, I forgot which one it is, that was going to actually speak to a servant who was going to speak to the Pharaoh. See, only God knows the tentacles that are going to create your way. And you don't know right now in job, you're mistreating a person just because they're nasty to you, but yet that person might be the door that will connect you to the butler or the baker who will connect you to the servant who will connect you to... Never belittle any, any situation around you because even nasty folk could be a door for you. You need to praise God even for nasty folk. Somebody laughs and say, you know, Wayne, you don't know the one I work for. I'm serious. Sometimes the nasty folk are the ones that are going to open the door for you. The ones that you think are nasty. Maybe it's just that there's certain that God, something that God's working on you. Amen. Ask and you shall receive understanding regarding your gifts. Yeah, but I don't know who I am. Ask and you shall receive. Your gifts were given to you to help those around you. Amen, I'm talented. Yeah, so what? So what? So you're talented. So you got stuff. Nice. 
help people around you, and that's when your talents will become useful. That's when your talents become mighty. It's not so you think that you're big and bad. As you give to others, you will be compensated. And I learned that. And this is a key. Even if you're not making the type of salary you want, act like if you're already getting the salary. Act like you're already that supervisor. Act like you're already in your wealthy place. Treat people better than they even deserve to be treated and watch how God will open up doors for you. Amen. Serve people, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond service of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So in other words, if I do a kindness to somebody, even though they don't recompense me back, they don't remunerate me, God will. Say to your neighbor, even though people don't recognize you, God will. Even people don't recognize your service, God will. Amen. And so conclusions, say, say amen. amen. He's at the conclusion. See, I, I can't deny that I said it. Now, you know, it's, I'm on paper now. The ultimate thing we can do is connect to God's vision through our Lord Jesus Christ and to help others to connect, knowing that we don't have a lot of time. People, there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of time. So what do we do? Worry, sit back, batten down the hatches, dig a hole in the ground, line it with lead and with cement and put lots of food in there and just forget about everything. Forget you, man. I'm taking care of myself. No, now's the time like never before to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share his life. I mean, do good to as many people as you can because God will recompense you. And the more you serve with your gift, one thing I've come to realize about Almighty God and the gifts is the more you serve with the gift, the more he gives you to serve. The more he gives you to give. You never run out. You know the times where I feel, oh, I don't have anything else to give. And you know, inspiration comes inspiration comes so people understand your God is infinite there is no limit to the level of creativity that, that God wants to uh, have flow through you in the coming days through your business in your family in the workplace with your supervisors uh, with your children in your own personal life creativity say to your neighbor it's time to allow his grace his spirit his anointing to flow through you so let it flow